Boag World is brought to you by headscape.co.uk in association with getsignoff.com and the website owner's manual. In this week's show, we talk to John Rezik about JavaScript libraries and ask the question, what is more important when releasing an app, speed or quality? Hi, Paul. How are you doing? Hi, Paul. How are you? Hello, Paul. Hi, Paul. Hi, Paul. I'm Marcus. Hello, and welcome first ever BoagWorld.com podcast. Boag World. Hello and welcome to the hundredth episode of Hello and welcome to the 135th episode of BoagWorld.com, the podcast for all those involved in designing, developing and running websites on a daily basis. My name is Paul Coughing Boag and joining me today is Marcus Snotnose Lillington. Yeah, hello. <laughs> we both feel like crap today, don't we? Yeah. This is going to be the worst show ever. <laughs> yeah, it is. Actually. I, I don't know, kind of sometimes when you're feeling a bit under the weather, funny things can happen. Mm. Possibly. Uh, or nothing. Or happen. nothing. Or we just fall asleep partway through like yeah. two old men. <laughs> On the upside, we have an interview with John Rezik, um, who's the guy that created jQuery. And I recorded that some while ago when I felt healthy. Good, good. So at least that bit will be all right. That bit will be fine. So how's life, Marcus, other than your, um, the fact that you're dying with man flu? Uh, I'm excited by the fact that we've had proper signing up people for Get Sign Off. I know. That's, that's very, very cool. good. Uh, I, feel like, I feel like it's real now. Yeah. How long has it taken us? Well, when was it? We first... It was born in South by Southwest 06. Yes. <laughs> no, 07. 07. So that's yeah. a year and a half ago. Yeah. That's embarrassing, isn't it, really? So much for rapid development. But actually, we're going to be talking about that later in the show, the whole idea of speed versus quality. And we've achieved neither, (laughs) (laughs) which is good. No, I disagree. And because I've been using it with clients, and (coughs) the client likes it, and I think it's great. And Mm. as we've said many times, if you're going to develop something, develop something that's good, useful to you. And it actually is. I know. He said stunned. (laughs) (laughs) I've uh, I've been really pleased as well by the reaction. You know, we've opened this up to about 500 beta testers so far. Yeah. And web designers, we're not the, the most kind of, you know, supportative bunch. But people have been so nice. I mean, they've really pointed out... Just hear what loads. they say behind your back, Yeah, Paul. well, yeah. They've pointed out loads of problems <laughs> and bugs, and uh, but it's all been really constructive criticism and people have been really helpful. And, and just over the last few days, it's improved so much as an application. Mm. So we're almost ready to really kind of start ramping up the, the beaters. We've got um, several thousand invites ready to send out but we're kind of doing them piecemeal and then we'll go live shortly after that as soon as lee gets off of his fat ass and finishes the front end site he does actually listen to this lee so get off your fat ass lee yeah exactly um one other little thing that i just want to pimp because i'm getting quite excited about it um november is coming soon and i get to go to america i'm going to new york the depressing thing about that though paul is november is like nearly christmas and the end of the year and it still feels like this year just I know, started. I know. That's scary. Do you know what? I'm actually starting to get cold sweats now. 
<laughs> that doesn't bode well. So anyway, if uh, I because I never I don't feel like I ever get to to see our our American listeners, which is so I'm thinking um, the future of web design is what I'm speaking at in New York. Um, and I'm doing a workshop too. Mm-hmm. So please, please, if you can, come and join us for that. That'd be cool. And that's on the 3rd and 4th of November, which I believe is over the election time. Yes, um, it will be. So um, we will welcome in our new fascist overlords then, which would be good. A <laughs> uh, little bit of politics there. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, just don't beat around the bush. No, I didn't say which side pun with the fascist pun. overlords. Uh, oh, no, that's a terrible pun. So, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, and I'm thinking I'm there the weekend before. The, the third and fourth is the Monday and Tuesday. Okay. So if you can make it to New York, let, let me know, and we'll probably do something over the weekend. I want to go and see, like, Statue of Liberty and stuff, but, you know, talking to locals is good too. Yeah, New York's great if you've got an, a local guide. Yeah, that's what I want. Yeah. So I'm hoping... It's actually, Paul doesn't... Well, he doesn't like you, whoever you are. He just <laughs> wants someone to show him around. No, I... These lo- are the good places, Paul. Oh, asked you. I do really <laughs> want to meet people. Stop being mean. Anyway, so there we go. Uh, so that's our introduction. I don't think we ought to talk anymore because, to be honest, we sound disease-ridden and it'll put people off of their <laughs> commute or whatever you're doing listening to the show. Okay, move okay. on. Move on to the news. Bugrat.com. News. Right, yes. I, don't, I don't have to do anything now, do I? Can I no, just you, nod can, off? you can just nod off okay, quietly right. in the corner. Mm. Okay, so first news, I hate it when people beat me to the punch. Is that actually a phrase or have I just made that up? Beat me to the punch? Uh, yeah. Could what, be. Yeah. I'm, one, I'm wondering. Um, so I've just recently finished writing a report for our biggest client, Wiltshire Farm Foods. Um, and it talks a lot about the need to simplify and re- remove complexity from their site. Um, and to be honest, it's a lesson that we should all learn. And so I've been in the process of turning extracts from the report into a blog post that we'll be covering in next week's show, probably, actually. Okay. Um, however, it would appear that I've been too slow. And Jerry McGovern, who um, you know that I mention from time to time, has beaten me, <laughs> beaten me to the punch. This is terrible, isn't it? <laughs> has beaten me to the punch with an excellent post um, on the cost of complexity. However, where I kind of focus on why simplicity is important, he addresses the underlying causes of why complexity Mm. ends up in our sites and stuff. For me, his post is summed up with the following quote. Most organizations are producing far too much content. Mm. Too many emails, too many PowerPoints, too many reports, too many web pages. All this content creation activity keeps a lot of people busy. It's just people keeping their jobs, isn't it? Exactly. Um, so if you're part of a large organisation or work on a substantial website, then uh, I should definitely read this post. It'll be amusing, if nothing else. So there's my first news. Do you know story. why I've got this cold? Why is that? Because on Sunday, I uh, trimmed two hedges. I laid, finished off laying a patio. Uh, I sorted out all our bicycles at home. I, you know, went and got new inner tubes. And t- I was like, you know... Basically, you've got ill because of activity. Yeah. What I should do is stick to my drinking and making merry yeah. that most weekends make up, and then I'm fine. Yeah, there we go. See? <sighs> so, um, people, I think people might be getting a little bored of our whinging and moaning now. Just just maybe. Maybe. Don't know. Should we try and do maybe something to do with web design? Don't know. Maybe. Stop looking at me like that. It freaks me out. <laughs> Um, so, next question. Uh, what do you do if you've got no marketing budget, but you've got some a free time to promote your website? Um, so, basically, to all go, your students out there. Go through the telephone directory and sort of heavy breathe. <laughs> <laughs> heavy breathe your URL. <coughs> yeah. Excuse mm. me. 
So, um, well, actually, there are a number of kind of guerrilla marketing techniques, including heavy breathing through the yellow pages, apparently, um, which could. But well, I, pr- I think probably one of my crop favorites, circles at night, crop circles in the shape on, of your URL. Yes, okay. on Google Maps. See, I'm full of good ideas today. Um, one of the more dull ideas then is to use forums, and forums is an effective way of driving traffic to your site. And SitePoint have posted an article which could have come straight out of Smashing Magazine because it is 10 rules for driving <laughs> traffic to um, using forums. Um, and, but it's actually quite good. Um, so it's 10 rules. Uh, talk about how to really do it efficiently without upsetting people, really. So he talks about things like building a profile, um, following, your, uh, following the rules of the forum, um, start, you know, start by responding to other people, contributing your expertise, um, don't be a Me Too poster where you're basically just repeating what other people have said and then shoving a big advert for yourself at the bottom of it. Yeah. Mention um, your name and your URL as many times yeah. as you can. <laughs> In short succession. <laughs> um, don't self-promote. There you go. Um, explain yourself, um, but be brief when you do. Um, if you're wrong, say so. Um, write intelligently and correctly. There's my so fundamental flaw. Yeah. <laughs> and um, negativity is a no-no. So it's actually an excellent article and one that you should definitely read before using forums as a marketing tool. Um, if you don't, you're in danger of damaging your brand rather than driving traffic. And I've seen Couldn't lots of bad examples. More. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the life... So this is moving on to accessibility now. I'm not really managing to link these together today, are they? Just, Where are your segues, Paul? Well, no segues. Here we go. Um, so uh, this is a little bit about standards and accessibility and how it, really it can be quite frustrating if you're a corporate web worker trying to encourage your, um, you know, your <coughs> peers and your organisation to adopt things like standards and accessibility. And you could often be hampered by things like office politics or arcane content management systems. Um, now, there's an article on Think Vitamin by Bruce Lawson where he looks at what you can do to make sure your projects are um, accessible uh, for your users um, and how to kind of make things more accessible and, and, and make better use of standards. Mm-hmm. What I like about this article is it's very pragmatic, and I really love that kind of thing. Um, Bruce works from the premise um, that this is going to be tough, and he makes some suggestions like um, <coughs> doing some accessibility is better than none. It's so good to hear that. It was on Twitter yesterday. We've been saying that for years. Exactly. On Twitter yesterday, somebody wrote to me and said, is it okay for me to use CSS with some tables for layout? Okay, and I wrote back and said, "Yes, it's better that you do, you know, use some tables. I don't. I use all CSS, but better to use some tables and start to learn CSS and get better than it, and just ignore it entirely and just do all table-based stuff." And but of course, then unsurprisingly, a lot of people jumped over me um, and told me off for that. But I, I really believe that. And even Zeldman in his book, um, Designing for Web Standards, suggests that you know something is better than nothing. Hmm. Um, so I'm a great believer in that. He also talks about the need to get buy-in from the top. But he doesn't just say, oh, yes, you need to get buy-in before you can implement this. He goes on to actually provide some practical tips about how you're going to get that buy-in. What is more is arguments for accessibility are backed up with real facts. So, for example, he says accessibility is good for search engine optimization and yep. then provides a link to more information that justifies that. He says accessibility enhances usability for everybody. 
Um, and then he provides a report, a formal investigation into UK web accessibility, which reports all users, not just disabled people, would benefit greatly from the measures required to make a site accessible and usable for blind people. So he backs it up again with a report. Mm-hmm. He talks about accessibility um, has many quali- quantifiable business benefits, and he uses a report produced by Legal and General, uh, which is, for those of you who don't know, a British financial services company, designed um, so when they redesigned their site with accessibility in ma- mind. And they found, for example, that 40%, um, there was a 40% um, traffic increase. They doubled their conversion rate. They doubled their online revenues. And they got 100% return on investment in only five months. So, you know, real tangible, hard stuff that he writes in this. And by the way, all of those things that I've just talked about are all in our show notes, including links to all of those different um, supporting documentation. So um, you can check that out at boagwell.com forward slash podcast forward slash 135. But finally, he looks at how to get content providers on board through education and, interestingly, getting them writing HTML rather than relying on a WYSIWYG editor. Yeah, which I thought was quite interesting. Very basic HTML, you know, paragraphs, headings, stuff like that. But he says it gets them thinking about, you know, accessibility and, you know, gets them working in the right way. Not so sure about that. And I think you can get some now good WYSIWYG editors that, Hmm. that you know, are semantic. You're marking things up semantically rather than visually, which is equally good in my opinion. But interesting nonetheless. Yes. So from really good advice to really bad advice. See, I managed to segue that time. Hey. I was going to say, that is really interesting. I've got a client in mind right. who I'm going to point that at. Yeah, really good stuff. I mean, I, I, I'm... Oh, do you know what? I haven't actually linked to, to Bruce's complete article, so I need to make sure that goes in. Hang on, let me just make a note, link. Because yeah. otherwise that's really bad. Sorry, Bruce. <laughs> okay, so our final story um, raises an interesting discussion. Should you decide which browsers to support based on popularity or capability? Marcus, answer the question without looking at the rest of it. Uh, yes. <laughs> Great, thanks. <laughs> so apparently the UK government... Well, yeah, basically. I'm not, we don't support IE3. No, but nobody, no, no, it's nobody got a choice. It. You, ah, so you're saying it should be on popularity. Yeah. Not capability. Well, yeah. Popularity is... Um, this is a trick question, Marcus. Oh, well, hey. I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm blathering. You were, uh, you were leaning towards popularity, one way which or obviously another. has it, to. It could either be that way or, or the other way. way. Yeah. So um, no, but I think popularity is massive. Yes. In, in selecting whether you okay. support browsers or not, you're wrong. I'm not. But yeah, carry on. Right. Um, but apparently, the UK government believes um, that we should taste, test on the basis of popularity. So you have the UK government backing you. Good whoopee. So on that <laughs> basis, you know it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> So, in a draft document advising public sector websites, it suggests that if a browser um, appears in visitor logs as being below a kind of arbitrary percentage, whatever percentage you set that as, um, of unique visitors, it shouldn't be listed as being fully supported. (coughs) And, you know, as you've said, on the surface, that appears very sensible. However, as John Hicks points out on his site, um, this can create problems. And he writes... It isn't really clear how the supported browser list would be enforced, but I'm concerned that this approach would encourage browser sniffing, a move that would exclude browsers like OmniWeb, um, Shira and iCab, um, simply because they're not named Safari. Mm. 
Now, they, are, they share exactly the same rendering engine and therefore require no further testing, um, but they would be excluded under this kind of basis, which is, is just basically dumb, isn't it, really? Because you can support them even without the necessarily testing them individually. Yeah, but that's just semantics, isn't it? No, it's not. Because the thing is, is it's about browser sniffing, right? So, um, how, to, how to describe this? So if you say, okay, we're going to support IE, Firefox, and Safari, yep. all right? The danger is by saying that, because they've got big percentages of the market, that basically people are going to detect whether or not it's, they're running Safari, for IE, or Firefox. And if they're not, they're going to tell them, well, you need to upgrade your browser because this is going to look crap. But actually, for those minority browsers that behave just like Safari, in fact, there are ones that behave just like um, uh, Firefox or just like IE, but are not named that, browser sifting software is not going to pick them up and so that they're going to be told that they can't access the site even though they're completely capable of doing so. Yeah. Well, so, browser sniffing needs to get more more cleverer than No, that. no, it doesn't, because the whole premise of browser sniffing is flawed. Right, let me yeah. explain. In other words, this is basically saying you should have a list of supported browsers um, based on you know their popularity. But actually, I think that it should be based on um, a capability. This is the approach used by Yahoo and is one that I fully support. Right? So the Yahoo model supports all browsers through progressive enhancement or graceful degradation um, without the need to test on every browser. That's ultimately what this report is about. It's about trying to set a premise where you don't have to test in all these little obscure browsers and you can comfortably ignore some of them. Yeah. Well, the Yahoo model actually does this. Um, it's a very neat solution, but it's one that the UK government guidelines specifically say they do not advocate, right? So listen to this. This is great. These, this is what the report says. These guidelines do not advocate, do not advocate specific development methodologies, for example, graceful degradation <laughs> and progressive enhancement. However, it's widely accepted that it's, it's widely accepted <laughs> that sites conforming to open web standards such as HTML and CSS are more likely to work across a wide range of browsers. But we don't support it anyway. But we're not advocating it. Yeah. So why are they not advocating something that's generally widely accepted? It's mm. like really bizarre mm. but the thing is is that what you do is you have a, a set of browsers in yahoo's model which are a grade browsers where they test against those browsers mm -hmm. um and then the other the other browsers that can't support certain functionality that functionality naturally falls by the wayside yeah. and they, they'll still be able to get the content and access the site so it's a really seriously good methodology that yahoo have adopted and i just don't understand why they're not, you know, proposing something similar. Fortunately, there is an opportunity to change things before they become set in stone. So I recommend you pop across to the WASP website, which again we link to in the show notes, um, uh, because they've got a really good article that explains it all. Um, and then I suggest sending some polite feedback to the powers that be and see if we can get this changed, because it is a bit pants, I have to say. Mm. I know the thing is, is that the Yahoo method, you know, it kind of, it's excluding browsers based on poor popularity is a straightforward and easy concept to understand. Mm. While the Yahoo method's a little bit more abstract, you know, and it, it, you know, the idea that you kind of don't need to check, but things will kind of render down not as well based on the capabilities. It's a bit harder to get your head around. And they just feel like they've gone for the easy option, as far as I'm concerned. So boo sucks to them. Yeah. Okay. 
You don't care. I agree to anything. Yes. You agree to anything. You're looking really bad now. <laughs> Thanks. <coughs> right, let's move on to the healthy section of the show, which is an interview that I did some while ago with John Resick, um, the creator of uh, jQuery, who's talking about JavaScript libraries in general, and he's very good at not pimping his own product too much, which is really nice. <laughs> Here you go. Here's John. Joining me today is John Resick, um, who is famous for, well, jQuery and, and the work that he's been doing with jQuery. John, it's great to have you on the show. Well, thanks for having me. And I, I, I have to say this at the beginning, I have to get this out of the way, that I absolutely love working with jQuery, um, and it's an absolute pleasure. I remember twittering uh, just a few days ago that every time I start doing anything in jQuery, it makes me smile, so that's got to be a good sign. Oh, that's good. I'm glad to hear it. But what I what I wanted to do today is um, get you on the show, and not just um, for me to suck up and say how great jQuery is, but to kind of look a little bit broader at the subject of JavaScript libraries. Um, because I have to say, from a personal point of view, my opinion has changed quite a lot about JavaScript um, libraries, and and I'm I'm kind of interested in your perspective on things as somebody that's actually created one. Um, I think the place I want to start is is. For a long time, I had the attitude that that you shouldn't use JavaScript or indeed any library um, and that you should know the underlying code yourself and all of this kind of thing. Uh, you know, let's start with the question of, you know, how do you know if it's appropriate to use a, um, a JavaScript library? When is it appropriate to use it? Um, you know, what's what's your opinion on that? Well, I, I guess in my opinion, it, it's it's always appropriate. And, okay. Uh, I mean the the simple fact of the matter is that there's there's two things. One is is that you're when you're developing, you're trying to support uh, generally a large number of browsers simultaneously. Um, this is the same as if you're doing you know CSS development, JavaScript development. You you, you want to support uh, a large enough of your market share, uh, and you want to make that development process easy. But the problem is is twofold that you're going to be encountering weird browser bugs, and uh, the the APIs, uh, the you know uh, the the different utilities that the browsers provide will uh, be different. For example, you know, you know Internet Explorer provides different ways of handling events mm. from uh, all the other browsers. So th- uh, what libraries do is that they they remove you away from dealing with browser bugs, which is huge. And and at the same time, they provide a simple interface uh, that you can interact with that will just work ubiquitously. Mm. I mean, is there is there a problem there um, in the sense of, you know, if somebody came along and they basically learnt to write jQuery, for example, from scratch, but never learnt the kind of underlying JavaScript, you know, is, is there a problem there? Do people need to know JavaScript before they start using a library? Um, okay, so uh, I don't... It depends on the library, but I don't think you do. I don't think you have to know JavaScript. And in, in a lot of ways, of uh, at, at least in my experience with, with jQuery directly, uh, there's a lot of people who have used jQuery who have never done any programming whatsoever. Hmm. Uh, and you know, they, jQuery does embody a lot of advanced concepts, but that you don't necessarily have to know them in order to uh, make good use of jQuery. So, but the I, I, don't, uh, I know this sort of translates well into some, some of the other libraries, but uh, I, I think the, 
and, and one point of concern that you brought up there was, you know, what if someone learns a library but doesn't learn JavaScript? Mm. And I, I used I used to be more concerned about that. You know, uh, if someone only knew a library, and uh, I, I guess the thing is, from a, from a purist perspective, that's a bad thing. And <laughs> you know, it, fundamentally, you want people to be getting better at programming uh, JavaScript, not mm. not this specific thing. However, I, I think the reality of it is is that so many people are just using JavaScript or CSS or doing web design. You know, they're they're just they just want to get their job done. Mm. And it's it's not really a matter for them of you know becoming you know a excellent JavaScript programmer, or an awesome you know CSS user, or you know it's you know they want to get from A to Z and you know and, and, f- and finish their work uh, in an effective manner that works everywhere. And, and so I think I think it's important to realize that. You know this market, so to speak, it exists. It's a very large one, and that ignoring it completely will just leave users frustrated and going back to the simple, you know, cut and copy paste scripts that they used to use. Mm. So I, I think you know what libraries are doing is they're, they're instilling good standards, they're instilling good practices, even though the users don't necessarily know about it. And and, and you know, and then eventually, what's good is that since these libraries have these good practices. The users can always open up the library and then read about it and try to understand better what's going on. Mm. I mean, I guess that's always been a little bit of my concern with you know with relying heavily on a library is that you know if you come across something that's um, that's a problem or you know a bug or something like that, you can't fix it yourself because you don't necessarily know your way around the library. But yeah. you know, what's your response to, to to people that say stuff like that? Well, by the same token, if you encounter a problem with a browser, uh, you, you are—I'd say—you're far less capable of fixing that mm-hmm. issue. <laughs> uh, The—I mean—the uh, there's there's really you know no no way about it other than that. You know, it, it, ultimately, it would be good to have that knowledge, absolutely, and I, I fully. Uh, I'm fully support you know people who, who want to do that. I'm, I'm writing a second book now, encouraging people to do that to you know to dig into libraries, to learn more, to to build their own. And uh, but, but what's important here is that you just don't you know you, you can't force people to do it if they one if they don't want to, mm. and if you know or if they're just you know not not capable. I, I mean there's uh, you know the, there's no reason I feel to force. Uh, a, a designer, someone who's a designer by by trade, uh, to you know learn the fundamentals of like object oriented programming or or, or, mm. or functional programming. I mean, uh, theoretically, that could help them some way in the future. But what's more important to them is is doing good design. Mm. And uh, I, I think you know by helping people you know keep their focus where where it should be. You know, and, and obviously, you know, if a, if a library is able to help programmers program better, that's good as well. I mean, it, it's 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 all about helping people, keeping their focus, and making sure that they aren't getting, you know, down a rabbit hole, getting sidetracked. Mm. I think that's the thing that, that you know really attracted me to jQuery as as a front end interface designer was the fact that you know I could pick up 
pick it up and run with it very easily. And, and the conclusion I came to is, okay, well, if I do even by some chance find a major problem with it, you know, it's, there's a massive community of, of very clever people out there that I can ask and I can get help from. So, you know, that, that kind of reassured me, I think. So, I mean, if, if then, you know, you've, we've kind of come to terms with the fact, okay, we want to use a library. I mean, there are so many different ones out there. Um, you know, run us through some of the different options available and the pros and cons and, and, you know, how, how do you go about picking which library is right for you? Well, uh, it, it really depends a lot. Uh, there's a couple questions you need to answer and probably the most important of which is, uh, you need to ask yourself, how do you want to write JavaScript? Mm -hmm. And because libraries will end up augmenting or, or really changing the style of how you write JavaScript. So finding a, to start, finding a library that you like how it looks. I know it sounds very superficial, but uh, you, you like how it looks. You like how the code feels. It is a, is a great place to start. Um, and, and then, but the thing is, is that you, there's obviously a, a lot of libraries to choose from. But within there, there's a there's a select group I feel of of libraries whose quality is generally above the others, and and I and, and you can really it's the the popularity of those libraries uh, I think generally reflects uh, the quality as well. So out of those, I, I pick uh, generally like uh, jQuery, Prototype, Yahoo UI, uh, Dojo, and then uh, also uh, MooTools and sometimes XJS. Mm -hmm. um, and it's usually a pretty good assortment. And, and what's interesting is that all those libraries are open source, and they are all uh, the, the most popular JavaScript libraries. Mm. And I, I, I don't think that's a coincidence. I mean, it, it's just a, a matter of fact that uh, in, in the web that you know these open source frameworks are you know going to improve better and get to uh, attract more users. And it generally have better communities around them. So out of out of these libraries, though, you you break down into a lot of different uh, paradigms for development. I it, it I can, I'll try to summarize as best as I can. But the uh, it, it really it's really no substitute for for trying it out yourself. Mm. Uh, to, to just just looking and seeing some examples, and you can have a pretty good feel right away. So uh, prototype and MooTools, uh, they both extend the native objects of uh, the language. They, they, they both try to improve the JavaScript language itself. Okay. And uh, so they add new methods to arrays. They, they uh, you know, make strings better. At the same time, they provide things to doing like object-oriented code uh, and all the way out to doing things like events and AJAX and mm. uh, you know, it just uh, the, the, the normal things that you expect. But, but at, at a very broad level, they are trying to improve the overall quality of the language and of, of the experience. And then you have um, uh, Dojo, uh, Yahoo UI, and XJS. And they are uh, generally uh, very modular, uh, very package-oriented. And uh, they, uh, you know, they, they, they generally they'll have components that you can easily snap in and out with a nice ways of handling dependencies. And uh, so it, it, it's a, it can end up being a very uh, cleanly architected uh, style of coding. 
And then again, they, they really support object-oriented code, and, and additionally, you know, events and AJAX and all, all the normal stuff you would expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, would, I would tend to group uh, jQuery a little bit differently in that uh, jQuery is more oriented towards improving the relationship between JavaScript and HTML, and that mm-hmm. it's, high, it's highly focused on um, uh, searching through an HTML document modifying some things and just getting in and getting out very unobtrusive um, and it doesn't provide any language features it doesn't provide any object oriented code writing features it, it, it's it's just hyper focused at the the task on hand I mean it strikes me that from my experience of jQuery is that it's very much a tool that's primarily focused at helping front-end interface people implement the kind of functionality that they require from a usability point of view rather than necessarily doing... I mean, would you build massive applications in something like jQuery? Um, I mean, it, it's, it's absolutely possible. I mean, the, and, and people do it all the time. For example, uh, T-Mobile, or you know, so T-Online in, uh, in Germany, uh, they uh, built an entire... The, their entire uh, user area, so like their mail and their calendar and everything, really? using jQuery. Yeah, and uh, so I mean, it's absolutely used for very large projects. And what what I think is uh, interesting for for jQuery at least is that while we don't explicitly provide the, the normal object object oriented styles um, that that most uh, hardcore developers are used to. Mm-hmm. Um, we provide some very interesting alternatives, especially in the way of like functional programming, that I, I think uh, actually end up suiting development very well. It's very different. I would completely grant that, uh, but I, it's it, it does it's still very capable of scaling quite large. So, if uh, people go out there and they have a kind of uh, play around with these different libraries and try each of them out, as you say, to kind of find you know what fits their style of coding, you know. But once they've kind of found something maybe that, that you know, codes in the way they would like to, for example, for me, you know, the similarities between um, jQuery and, and CSS made it a very natural fit. But what, what are the kind of things that you should look for from a functional perspective? You know, what kind of things should be included in a, in a um, JavaScript library? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, okay, so at, at the very... Core, there should be a, a set of features. Of, of the libraries that I listed previously, they all have um, methods for doing uh, uh, DOM traversal, so, so, so traversing through an HTML document, uh, modifying an HTML document, um, events, so handling user interaction, uh, animations, and AJAX. All, all of them have some support for that to one degree or another. Uh, so th- you, you, you can be fairly safe in knowing that if you pick a library, you'll have uh, you have that base level. Uh, and in my opinion, those sets of features are uh, probably the most important features and the ones that you end up using the most in your applications. Mm-hmm. Some people might say uh, that you know, in their particular case that maybe animations aren't as important or maybe that they aren't using AJAX. I mean, it, it really depends, but uh, for most of the time, uh, those that set of features is uh, fairly comprehensive, mm-hmm. um, but on uh, on top of that, the it's it's you know it, it's kind of, uh, you you really have to s- start to 
you know, when, once you tried to use it and, and once you've played around it, and you, you need to, the, there's, there's a whole set of secondary features that you kind of have to dig into. Okay. Uh, ones that aren't immediately code-related. Uh, things like uh, the community around a library, mm-hmm. uh, the documentation for a library, mm-hmm. uh, and, and even the, the, the health of the projects uh, themselves. Um, what do and, you mean and, by that last one, the, the health of a project? So, so I, I mean, the, the, there's, there's a lot of things here. In, in, in health, I mean, you know, do they have an active development team? Okay. Are, 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 there, you know, are there developers, uh, you know, are there multiple developers? You know, it's, it's the, uh, uh, the famous uh, hit by a bus. You know, if, if, if a developer is hit by a bus, will the project still continue? Sure. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, so is, the te- is there a team will, will continue? Uh, it, can you view the source code? Is there a, a repository where you can go? Is there a bug tracker where you can submit bugs? Mm-hmm. Uh, and finally, is, is there a test suite? Is, is, is what you're using going to be tested and, uh, you know, and, uh, and analyzed to make sure that it, it stays working? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and another point, to, uh, point uh, that's important to bring up uh, is that a lot of browsers now are starting to integrate the test suites of these libraries into their test suite. So, for example, uh, actually, this is a lot of my work at uh, Mozilla um, was integrating the the test suites of like Prototype, Scriptaculous, jQuery, MokiKit, a bunch of libraries into our test suite, such that if we ever added a change that caused uh, a regression to happen in a library, we would catch it and we would fix it on our end. Okay. Uh, so I mean, obviously, we would do this in a very uh, smart way. You know, we wouldn't just blindly be like, "Oh, something broke." You know, I, you know we would communicate to the the library, of course, uh, yeah. you know, what, what the issue is or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, it was. But this has been very big in that because now you you can there's an extra level of safety and security here in that you'll know that if you if you're using a library like this, that it's going to continue to work going forward in these browsers. And, and, you, and you, that's an actual level of safety that uh, that your personal code can't provide. Mm. Uh, and I think that's a very interesting. I, mm. I want to I jump back here really quick to the other issues I'm, I mentioned. Of, Sorry, uh, I, I distracted you then. We took your topic. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. Of, of uh, uh, community and documentation. And there... Uh, so, so, so community, it, it's, it can be usually... Usually, be pretty easy to determine the health of the community. Uh, uh, all of these libraries will have some sort of a, a mailing list or a forum that you can go to, um, which is uh, a, you know just just hopping on there and seeing you know uh, how many messages are posted, seeing what the typical response is like, mm-hmm. you know as, you know seeing what uh, how they treat new users. Uh, you know, just just stuff like that. It can be uh, really useful uh, because since if you're just starting out, you know, you're gonna have some pretty basic questions. You know, uh, you know, do they do they understand your problems? Do they help you out? Um, and, you know, and then you're doing some searches on Google, for example, just seeing, uh, yeah, how many people are talking about it. You know, uh, or using a service like you know, Technorati or something, and seeing how many, you know, what, what are people blogging about it? Is it positive? Is you know, you know, are they having problems? Uh, the other thing is uh, documentation. Uh, it, this this is also uh, uh, pretty easy to tell. And that if you are starting out with a library, you're probably going to start just by 
doing a quick test, doing running a simple application, um, uh, just to see get a feel uh, for it. And what you uh, so so when you're doing that, you're you're immediately going to be in the documentation, trying to figure out how things work. Mm. And uh, I, I think you'll be able to determine pretty quickly if the documentation quality <laughs> meets meets yeah. a standard that that's good for you. Because if you aren't, you know, if the documentation just isn't isn't that good, you're, you'll immediately have problems. And I guess you will have to resort to you know the mailing list or the forums or whatever. Um, and then uh, secondary is is you know, do they have good examples? Do they have uh, uh, books that you know, if you want to learn from a book? Do they have books that you can you can buy to learn from? So again, yeah, there's a whole lot of issues here. But the what a lot of it boils down to is looking uh, to start by looking at the libraries, looking at the style of code. Does it seem all right with you? Then just doing a quick test with each of the libraries, you know, that, that you've picked out, you know, uh, building like a, maybe a menu or just some, some, a basic form of interaction. And, and, you know, how, how easy is it? How hard is it? And, you know, does, does, does it in fact mesh with you well? Uh, because I, I mean, it, 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 this is something that you can do over a course, I think of a single day. Mm. And, and I, it, it definitely wouldn't take, shouldn't take you any longer than that. If it's taking longer than that, then, uh, you probably want to try a different library. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it because ultimately you should be trying to use these libraries to make your, your development simpler and easier. If it doesn't improve your productivity, and if it doesn't improve you know the quality of your code, then you probably shouldn't be you know using it to begin with. Mm. Uh, tell us a little bit about um, the kind of plugin architecture that exists around many um, JavaScript libraries. I mean, certainly I know there's a very strong plugin architecture with jQuery. Uh, does the same kind of thing exist with other libraries? It, it, it depends. Um, so uh, what jQuery has is, is a little bit unique in that we provide a number of plugin points uh, for that plugins can snap into and extend how jQuery works. So they can add in new uh, CSS selector behavior, or they can add in you know new events, or it's all sorts of intricate uh, additions. Um, other libraries have things uh, that aren't quite of the same vein. They they uh, in that they'll have uh, modules or, or or some sort of or packages that that you can use. Uh, it also another thing that uh, varies is, is um, how how does the how do the various projects treat these? I guess plugins. Um, at least with, with jQuery, there, there's a dedicated plugin repository that's used that you can that plugins are listed in, and uh, and, and that you can browse through. You can see ratings and comments and discussions and things like that. Um, currently, no other framework has something similar to that. Uh, to, to the best of my knowledge, it, it, it's, it's it's much looser. Uh, you know, uh, just just people uploading, you know, putting things into websites or Google Code or some such. Um, so so again, it, at least uh, to, to me, what makes plugins uh, the jQuery style plugins uh, important is that they are uh, you know that, that there's the extension points and that they are supported by jQuery natively. Mm. The only thing I think that I kind of struggle with a little bit about plugins, you know, I love the idea that, 
you know, there are other people out there that can do the hard work for me and that they can, you know, develop something I was looking for. And I love the fact that I can go to jQuery, I can type in whatever I'm looking for and it'll pull back stuff. I'm always a bit unsure, mine, about how reliable those plugins are. You know, as as you've been saying, you know, with with the kind of the core jQuery um, library that you've created, you know, I know that there's a big team of developers working on it. I know that it's thoroughly tested. I know what browsers it's tested against, all of that kind of stuff. Plugins are a bit more of an unknown entity. Is there any kind of advice that you can provide about judging whether a a plugin um, or module or whatever is reliable or not? Um, I mean, you, you sort of have to use the same standards that you'd use at looking at a library. You know, um, you, you looking at, you know, again, uh, you know, is it, like, like, you, like you mentioned, is it tested? You know, is it, is there good documentation? Um, are, are there, you know, div- how many developers are working on it? Um, like, for example, in the jQuery project, we started a sort of a, a sub-project called jQuery UI, in which we take uh, we've taken a whole bunch of plugins and essentially blessed them <laughs> and <laughs> and and improved them, given them themes, you know, uh, excellent documentation, examples, you know, all this stuff, and and, and made them sort of you know official. <laughs> mm. And so you know, and then we were doing this more and more, trying to bring in more plugins, improve their quality, uh, and, and and just you know, and make sure that they are up to our standards. Uh, that's not, but the, you know, there's still tons and tons of plugins that are, uh, you know, are just excellent. Uh, but again, the, the 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 issue comes down to is that you just you you have to sort of train your eye to to, to look at uh, and be able to spot when something has good quality. Um, and it, it just the, the I mean the thing that's easiest is to the, the thing that's easiest for a plugin author or a library author to do is to just set up a page that has their code on it and it has a basic example. I mm-hmm. mean, at, at, at the very least, every single library is going to have that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, uh, so but but if you if you dig in and see that it has documentation, that it has tests. You 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 begin to realize that that uh, that you know that library is is of much, or that even that plugin is a much higher quality at the very least. Mm. Uh, and it's it's I, I think it's it's really when you start to dig, to dig in into these side issues uh, that you get to you begin to get a better picture of how uh, of the true nature and of the true health of of a particular library. Mm. Excellent. That's really useful. I, I think it's easy to just look at these libraries and indeed the plugins as well and, and ask, well, do they do the basic functionality that I require? But, you know, like you say, looking at things like the community and documentation and, and things like that are equally important. That's been very useful, John. Thank you for taking the time to come on the show. And um, no doubt we will get you back in in the future to talk about some of uh the specific things going on with jQuery and, and maybe uh, this book that you're writing as well. Sounds very good. Absolutely. Thanks well, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so our listener feedback this week um, is really about the whole subject of going to market and whether you need to do that quickly or whether a quality product is more important. We touched on this at the beginning of the show, didn't we? We did. Um, so it's a question that we've received from Pete from South Africa. Marcus, you want to read it? Okay. 
I have been working on a small web application which I hope to launch soon. My problem is that I am spending ages tweaking and improving it before launch. I fear that if I spend much longer on it, somebody will beat me to market. What is more important, getting the product right or launching it quickly? So first of all, Pete, I'm really sorry to hear that you have such a bad cold. Um, (laughs) That might have been Marcus's reading of your question. Um, It's a good question and, and as normal has no single answer. Um, and it's certainly something that we've been struggling with, I guess, with the launch of Get Sign Off. I, I think this ought to become a drinking game. Every time I mention Get Sign Off, you have to what drink. What a good idea. Mind you, I had to drive here. This is the problem. That would well, be great. It could be a drinking game for our listeners. You know what would be listeners? really nice to drink would be something, the way I feel at the moment. Something like Sambuca. Really strong, really kind of hard black Sambuca, of course. Ooh. I've never had Sambuca, so I couldn't tell you. It's aniseed. Very, oh, I hate aniseed. Very strong aniseed. Oh, Cracking when it you always feel used like to this. give you medicine as a kid that tasted of aniseed, and so all now I do is associate it with medicine. They do it all different sick. colours, and, and at my local pub, they do. Um, it's even though it's not licorice, it's uh, it's aniseed. They do a, a, a drink called a licorice all sort, and basically <laughs> it's a little bit of black, a little bit of white, a little bit of red, a little bit of green. Um, it looks like traffic lights. There you go. Mm. Except traffic lights don't have black or white. Yeah. But so, hey, why not? Okay. It's a drink. Fun, Paul. Fun. You know. Yeah, I'm not feeling very fun at the moment. Okay, so uh, let's talk about this question, shall we? Yeah, uh, both, really, is my answer. Yeah, you move kind of, you're kind of right, actually. <laughs> it's really difficult. It's a bit fine line. Let's look at the advantages of launching early, then, yeah, um, go to on start then. off with. So I think this is particularly important if you're a social networking site, um, maybe, um, because this is where it enables you to build up a substantial market share. So Twitter is an example of yeah. that. Um, the prevailing wisdom um, certainly is that you should launch early. And the logic goes that by launching quickly, um, you can be the first to market and then refine your offering based on user feedback. Yep. Um, there's certainly something to be said for being first to market, especially online. Um, it's easier to create a buzz around your product if it's a completely original idea. And also it's easier to establish a customer base um, when there's little choice, basically. Mm. Um, however, I, I think it has its drawbacks too. So well, yeah, it might not work properly. And exactly. put people off. Mind you, I suppose if there isn't anything else, then <coughs> yeah, I suppose people might just just dump it and forget about. Yeah, it, it depends how business critical that thing is. Yeah, I mean, there's there's it's this whole thing about making a first impression, isn't it? Basically, mm. um, that if the user doesn't like your product, then they're not going to ever return again. And it doesn't matter how many improvements you make later on, getting them to come back again is going to be fairly substantial. Because what happens? Launch a new product. Yeah, like, let's say let, like get sign off everybody goes and has a little play with it if it's buggy as hell or doesn't do what they want it to do yeah. it's quite hard to then get them to come back in the future because you now support that and I mean we're struggling with that there's some features that we purposely left out of get sign off in its initial launch because we wanted to get to market quicker I mean one that springs to mind is Basecamp integration doesn't yeah. have that at the moment we'll do very shortly but People are going to come look at it and go, well, I use Basecamp and I want it to work with that. It doesn't, and therefore that's dismissed. Um, so, you know, it's difficult. Um, basically, customers lost, isn't it, in a scenario like that? Mm. Also, by launching early, your competition have a chance to adapt before they launch as well. A uh, few ideas are really truly original, and somebody somewhere will be developing something similar. If you launch too early, um, they're going to have the opportunity to adapt their offering to undermine you. Quite. Um, uh, of course, the big danger of, of um, delaying launch is pro- procrastination. 
which I think is certainly something we've suffered from over Maybe. the launch of our product. Um, as we said at the beginning of the show, we had the idea for Get Sign Off a year and a half ago, and we wasted uh, far too much time faffing around and not actually doing anything. I think maybe a little bit of that was, you know, we there was always client work to do, um, so we, we kept saying, "Yes, this is really important." Ah, but yes, you better work on that first. Yeah, uh, and then it, well, well, what's it that if not procrastination? I suppose we prioritize, didn't... Prioritization. No, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah um, right. And it, it wasn't really until, I don't know, early this year... Um, that we actually got on and did it. Yeah. Yeah, and you sort are probably of said, right. Yeah, this mustn't be made an equal priority. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, actually, the, the key thing that we did is we created a budget for it, mm-hmm. and we priced it like a normal project. It still didn't entirely work. And I'm, I'm still now getting comments from project managers going oh well we've got paid work that needs to be done but mm-hmm. you know anyway so um how do you make a decision uh when to release is dependent i think on two factors what you're releasing and who it's aimed at so if you're releasing a traditional website you know which isn't a web application then obviously quality has to be high there's no option to slap a beta label on it um and uh, users are going to be less tolerant to problems and stuff like that mm. um if the product is a web application um, the decision is dependent on the nature of that application. If it's something business critical, then users are going to have a lower tolerance of problems. However, if it's something like Twitter, when downtime um, uh, and problems like that are kind of more easily accepted. After all, the inability to Twitter is not the end of the world. Although, from judging by my behaviour, <laughs> you'd probably think it is. Um, the second factor that determines uh, when you launch is audience. So, for example, the audience for Get Sign Off. I'm sorry, I'm referring to it a lot, but it's it's, an, it's in my head, isn't it? I'm absolutely drunk now on this Sambuca. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, our audiences are the web designers. And although you couldn't ask for a more critical audience, they also understand that new products will have bugs. Um, they're also experienced enough to be able to work around usability problems and kind of muddle through. However, if your audience is not so computer literate, um, you're going to more likely give up and try another site, aren't you, really? Yep. Um, now, this is something I just wanted to touch on. I don't know whether it's directly related to the question or not, but I think it's worth addressing. And that's this whole thing of fear of competition. There seems to be a real fear of competition amongst web designers. Um, and there's this desire to be completely original. And so they go rushing off early to launch their product and they push a product you know, live far too quickly because they want to be the first. They want to be original. They want to avoid competition. I don't think that's just web designers. That's anyone inventing anything. Yeah, but it's creating such a, anything. I, in my opinion, competition is to be expected. And in some ways, competition is good. Um, you know, I've, re- I've received, you wouldn't believe, the number of very apologetic uh, emails saying to me, look, I'm really sorry, but I found this competition to get sign-off. You know, whether it be Concept Share or Proof, <coughs> proof at HQ or any of these others, look, I'm even willing to mention them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they're writing to me going, you know, oh, oh, you know, these, these, the competition, it's, oh, it's like it's the end of the world. Mm-hmm. I'm really sorry to break it to you, Paul, but your product is, wait, you know, is pointless because <laughs> there's, there's other competition out there. In reality, this is to be expected. Even if Get Sign Off was identical to its competition, which it's not, it's not a problem. There's enough customers to go around. The web's a big place. Hmm. Take baked beans, for example. Do you have baked beans in other countries, or is that a UK thing? 
It's mostly a UK thing, I think. Let's go soup then. I've just no stick with baked beans because I've got to pull you up on about what you're what you're about to say. Oh, so well, I can okay. read ahead. This is what Paul says to the UK market. Right, there are lots of varieties of baked beans, and they are all basically the same. They are surely you can't yes. say that, Paul. There yeah. is one. Okay, pro- there is Heinz, and that's right? it. No, that's it. There's Tesco's own. There's Asda's yeah, but own. No one ever buys them because they don't taste the same. They. Don't taste the same. But people do I buy them. I suggest you use how, soup how as an come, example. Uh, uh, how come, then, how come they even exist in the marketplace? Because they're cheaper. Right. But people still buy them. Because they're cheaper. Yeah. Okay, so they've differentiated with price. My yeah. point is that fundamentally they're very similar products. Okay, you could do it with soup. You could do it with any other number of products. Where there are lots of, I, I, I don't know, detergent for the toilet, you know, toilet duct type things. They all kill germs, mm-hmm. right? And they come up, and basically they're all the same. But the market, but the way that they exist is that there is enough demand in the marketplace to support multiple products. Of course there is. There's a high enough demand. So basically... Just beans was a bad example. Okay, I'm sorry, but I, <laughs> I thought they were a good example. I'm obviously not a bean connoisseur <laughs> like you are. No, I'm not. I can't eat them anymore. I'm too old for beans. <laughs> do, what, do horrible things to your digestive do, system, yeah. no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> so in conclusion... If there was a conclusion to all of that. There's no need to rush to market. Take your time and get your product right. However, be careful not to procrastinate too much. And remember that um, you'll need to tweak your application well after launch. No matter how careful you plan, you're never going to get it right first time. So just bear that in mind. I would suggest go back (laughs) and... um, It was basically to do with the talk that um, Jason Fried, Fried, however you pronounce his name... Gave at last South by Southwest about ten things they've learnt at thirty seven. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, which I did a write up of on one of the shows right. we did. But that was useful stuff about sort of launching product products yeah. and developing new ones. I mean, let's face it, we're probably not the best people to talk about this because I'm, yeah. you know, because we're making this up as we go along. So that, well, it would have been well, end then. of March probably. Yeah. Show. Yeah. Go back and look at that because he knows more than we do. Exactly. And you, or you can now download the podcast from last year's South By. So just listen to him directly. There you go. There you go. Got a joke for us to finish off today's show? Because I'm feeling crap. It's going to be a really quick one. Tom sent me quite a few, but this is the, the quickest joke he had. <laughs> why does an elephant drink? I don't know. Why does an elephant drink? To forget. <laughs> I quite like it. Uh, it's quite a nice one. Yeah. You're not, you really haven't tried this show, have you? No. I'm sorry, dear listener. <laughs> I promise that one day our show will get better. Somebody tweeted this week, uh, sorry, last week, about last week's show, saying, um, not a very good show last week. Have they gone on too long? Yes. <laughs> far too, far too long. But, uh, That's a bit harsh. I, think, I do think we've lost a bit of the magic at the moment, Marcus. Dear, oh dear. <laughs> okay, well, let's just not do one next week. Yeah, see how they feel then. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be back next week um, (laughs) anyway because we don't know when to quit. Thank you very much for listening. Um, Check out the forum. There's some good stuff going on at the forum at biogworld.com forward slash forum. And don't forget to sign up for the beta at getsignoff.com. Just thought I'd throw that in at the end because I don't feel like I mentioned that very much. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Hello, world of Boans.
like being on David Letterman.